0: Hello, once again, everybody. Welcome to episode 45 of the Drunk Friend Podcast. You know how it goes by now. I'm Travis, SNES nice friend. That's Alex, Snest drunk. We got a cool, interesting guest coming up. But first, as we always do, we got to talk about those YouTube videos. That's, that's what we're always doing. That's what we're always up to.
1: You had uh some toy story toy story yeah have not seen the movie in a million years not since like the late 90s i think when it first came out on vhs or something like that i was like 13 when it came out so i was already in my junior high too cool for school uh phase where i hated all the stuff i liked as a kid Mm. with a a few exceptions and toy story was kids crap so i didn't really I did end up seeing it cuz I do like Disney stuff. I like Lion King and Aladdin and Oh sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, those those are good movies, but um yeah, the, the game itself I didn't re- I haven't really spent a lot of time with, but yeah, it's a classic case of like it's like, oh, we want big detailed graphics and sprites and we want to represent the movie really well and yeah, that's all well and good until your sprite is giant and takes damage from everything and the hit detection's terrible and yeah, it's a tough tough game to get through for sure. Yeah.
0: That's a big ol' uh that's a big old woody sprite. Did you have to do that for a Patreon thing or was this just about
1: it's about no. time to do
0: some Toy Story?
1: Honestly, uh it's one I, I kinda just jotted down because I kept getting comments about it. Like, when are you going to do Toy Story? When are you going to do Toy Story? And, and I was like, okay, I'll do Toy Story. And uh, and the, the reason I, I was eager to dive into it is because it, it's one of the few Super Nintendo games that has a first-person view uh, where you walk around inside of the claw machine trying to free all the, all the aliens. That's right. And, uh, yeah, and it's just that stage, but it's like, wow, who'd have thought? Toy Story has, like, you know, some, like... For, for a home console game, that's that's pretty advanced stuff. Yeah, you don't see many Doom rip-offs for... Well, I,
0: I wouldn't say for kids' games, because the Noah's Ark game is that, but it's just an interesting... <laughs>
1: It doesn't even seem necessary, but it's kind of a cool thing about that Toy Story game. Yeah, they they really. I mean, it just goes to show they really gave a crap about that game. And then after that, uh, I I looked at some swords, and then I looked at some serpents. At and the I same time, to buy them in into the swords and serpents. Nice. It's that that game just kind of that was a Patreon request because sure. I don't normally play stuff like that. And to be fair, it, as far as first person dungeon crawlers go on NES, I mean, right there you go. You're facing an uphill battle right there. Because oh yeah. <laughs> that's that's not good not good times it was better than i was expecting yeah but that's not that's still not saying a whole lot Um, there there is there is one thing i want to mention though and that's um i I used the nerd voice in that video right at the beginning yeah and it got a lot of like really positive feedback but there were a few people that were like upset (laughs) like legitimately upset one guy called me a jerk
0: wow they felt Um, called out yeah no
1: no joke. <laughs> so, and one guy was like, Why do you have to be so nasty about stuff you don't know? And I'm like, If you perceive that as nasty, that is a you problem. Yeah, okay. Like, man. the reason the whole that voice people like it is because everybody has a little bit of that inside themselves. Sure. With some particular subject. Like, with me, it's a lot of things, unfortunately. Like, <laughs> whether it's we were just talking about 80s football cards uh you know uh, you know 90s baseball you know uh gary Gaetti, greg gagney dan gladden you know all those guys but uh yeah no it's that's the whole joke is that uh, there's a little bit of that in everybody um where you you just can't help but be pedantic about one very specific subject and so but it's, it's some people got really upset like that's I don't so like weird. it because I guess they heard a little bit of themselves or something, and just, uh, yeah, yeah. kind of interesting. I mean, you're having a little bit of fun. I think that that's perfectly fine. People are. Sp- I just didn't I... expect that. It really took me off
0: guard. Yeah. Being called a jerk for using that voice. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, it's silly because it's one of my favorite things that you bring here to the podcast when the nerd voice oh, sk- lo- brings out. I
1: like it too. I like doing it. And I like telling people that I ripped it off from my girlfriend because it makes her upset. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's her voice, I I just blatantly. Re- but then again, she stole it from like a combination of The Simpsons, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Futurama, Conan O'Brien, like a you know a whole bunch of sources. So, but yeah, no, you, that's right. I didn't even consider that. But yeah, that voice is inside all of us all the time.
0: <laughs> um, I I did some Smurfs, and the reason I did it's a PAL game, so it's not one that we have yeah. here in North America. Uh, but we're all familiar with the Smurfs, little blue dudes cartoon that ran probably too long. They have little diapers on their heads. I don't really understand the Smurfs, if I'm being honest with you. But the game is... Smurfs were massive overseas. Yes, yes, indeed. And I guess that's why the game was popular there. But I was drawn to it because I was, you know, looking at some screenshots of games. And I was like, wow, that one, this game looks really good. I mean, it came out yep. in 94, which is well past any point that the Smurfs were relevant. But also I thought, well, this is probably going to be a pretty sharp... NES game because it came out, you know, th- yeah. three years after the Sega CD. It should, it should be yeah. awesome. Not that great. It was uh, for for when it came out, all the things going for it looks good, but I don't know. I didn't really find anything special about it, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, it's an Infogrames game, yeah. so which means that it looks pretty, but it uh, doesn't play pretty. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. It's um yeah, there's a bunch of infograms games. There's a couple Smurfs games on Super Nintendo. Same thing. We're like, hey, this looks good, but it doesn't play so good. It's a shame. It's a shame. I, I got well actually in my own comments. I don't think
0: it was that video, but in some video I said and you know, I always have I have a couple shticks, and one of them is I say no bueno and some guy was like, That doesn't even make sense if you speak Spanish. I was like, really? Putting two Spanish words together doesn't make sense. Make sense to anyone who speaks Spanish? I know it's not proper Spanish. No, you're not using the proper grammar, Trav. I, I should be saying no es bueno. It's not going to make any sense to any native Spanish speaker. I, you should know that by now. It's like uh, somebody told me it's like it would be like saying we good. Does not make any sense in English? Like we all get what that means. So I'm not yes. backing down from my poor Spanish quips in my videos nor should you i will not nor nor should you stand firm uh good so we got the smurfs toy story and swords and serpents out of the way thank god why do we do these things okay i don't know <laughs> but we do i have, don't know we do have some emails from some fine folks first one here is from a fella named travis which makes him immediately awesome stop stuffing our email box with your own questions travis come on he said i know it's you i don't know if we're allowed to share last names here but his last name is wolf which makes it way awesome that's oh, okay that reminds me of this guy yeah. i went to college with whose name was literally johnny flame and that dude was just amazing <laughs> Johnny name flame. was johnny flame yeah
1: he sounds like he'd be like a, a character in like a mortal Kombat ripoff or something like yeah i know right yeah. in, instead of scorpion you've got like tarantula instead <laughs> of johnny cage you got johnny flame
0: he was a cool guy yeah. i mean he lived up right to. On. it. Alright, he says, uh, Hey friends, do either of you have any gaming anxieties? Games that you just couldn't play because those feelings were so overwhelming? For me personally, Western RPGs like Fall- the Fallout series send my anxiety through the roof. I hate being asked to specialize a character before I even know how the game plays, so when I'm forced to choose attributes and perks at the very beginning, I just sort of blue screen and go back to playing Madden and listening to audiobooks. It sucks, because I really want to enjoy the Outer Worlds. Anyways, thanks for everything you guys do. Your content, had hel- your content has helped me a lot in my non-gaming-related anxieties, of which there are many. Best, Travis, P.S. for Alex... Spurgeon win Spurgeon 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 he
1: got drafted by the Browns I think that's an old that's a call that's a callback yeah, He's he might be the worst quarterback uh of my lifetime that I've ever seen play uh wow, he, was, hey. he was really aggressively bad uh yeah I mean you got to try to be that bad he was terrible I mean Joe Webb was pretty bad too in that playoff game but uh and Christian Ponder wasn't that good uh but uh what are the yeah, Browns Spurgeon for win? if not drafting terrible quarterbacks you know thank God for the Browns <laughs> Well, they got b- Baker's pretty good Yeah, now, that's true. So, that's a good point. Uh but yeah, no, I totally uh relate to this comment because I'm in the same boat. Like why I don't know what to, what I'm doing when I'm picking out uh you know, personality traits and all this other crap before I I know what I'm what I get myself into. Uh when, before I know like what is going to be uh considered important and what's not going to be considered important. Um it, you know, it's like <laughs> It, it, so i i share those anxieties I guess is what I mean yeah so i, I would much rather it's kind of like shadow i remember the first time i played uh was it shadow run no I'm thinking of uh soldiers of fortune where um you pick uh, certain characters and uh you know you think certain skills are more important than they are and then you you, you get a game over in like five minutes it's like well that, 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 that's no good but um yeah it's i i i, I do have those gaming anxieties for sure. Um, the same thing happens with like any RTS game, like uh, any mm. Age of Empires, Age of Mythology, Rise of Nations, anything like that. It's like, should I be building houses right now, or should I be <laughs> what resource should I go after? And then like the army is like right at my doorstep, kicking my ass. It's like, yeah. So it's sometimes you got to learn the hard way. It's just how it is. Yeah, I get overwhelmed in those games too.
0: I have to just kind of go into wing it mode when it comes to creating a character and just be like i guess i'll do this and i guess i'll do that we'll see your inner monologue is keanu voice yeah what am i doing what am i doing where am i whoa yeah i just watched johnny mnemonic the other day and that movie i did not enjoy yeah that's what i heard i heard it looks cool yeah i know it's like it's like matrix or the matrix for teens isn't the matrix already for teens (laughs) i guess i don't know what i'm saying for pre-teens then (laughs) the scary game you know the ones that are supposed to give you anxieties definitely do that's why i play those with a buddy on the same couch that way we can hug each other if it's too
1: too too real yeah those are not fun um uh yeah it's especially uh you know pearl loves to play horror games and she will scream sometimes and it scares the dogs and they run up and they hide behind me (laughs) while she's playing so yeah it's i i I understand that yeah thank you uh travis for the nice email next we got t funk all right hi drunk friend uh i really enjoy the content that both of you provide with your videos and the discussions that you have on the drunk friend podcast on episode 42 alex stated his love for mystery science theater 3000 and bad movies games and music you often hear the phrase it's so bad it's good for movies that all the wrong choices come together in a way to make something enjoyable. For example, Space Mutiny. I wonder if other forms of media, particularly video games, can transcend to the so-bad-it's-good realm. What are your respective console so-bad-it's-good game picks, if any? Or what could be qualifiers that make a game so-bad-it's-good? Trav? I have to do a bit of a cop-out and
0: say I find... The so bad it's good really works when James Rolfe has made fun of it to the point that I've giggled about it. Yeah. I don't find those games particularly enjoying to play, but if someone takes the time to make fun of them, I enjoy them more. So I have a soft spot for a lot of his, for a lot of the games he's covered just based on his own, his, his episodes. I did buy Action 52 as part of my collection, which is a notorious 52 game compilation of awful games. And I do enjoy showing that to people. Sometimes as sort of a
1: like, check out this. Sh- I I just remember, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> when James Rolfe goes another uh, uh, reusing characters. Here we run into Boob Lady and Saddam Hussein. <laughs> so. Anytime I think of Action
0: 52, I think of that. <laughs> exactly, yeah, and I still, I do have uh, some enjoyment of being like, check out this thing I have in my collection, and showing it off, and that's kind of a so bad, it's worth showing people, so I think that qualifies, but I I really, if a game is, is notoriously bad, I don't
1: really enjoy it myself playing it. Yeah, for me, yeah, that, that's definitely true uh, for me too, but... um for me, it's uh, a lot of the uh, full motion video stuff, a lot of the early full motion oh, video right. stuff is super cheesy and dorky in, uh, in and sometimes in an endearing way. There was a game that my, I think I've told this story before, but there there was a game my dad bought for, it, ha- it couldn't have been more than $5 um, out of the, uh, what do you call it? Uh, bargain bin? Discount bin. Yeah, yeah bargain bin in uh, Comp USA. And it was called Mabus, and you can Google this game. It's spelled M-A-A-B-U-S, and it's got lots of really hammed-up, over-the-top acting and performances, and it's a really bad game. My dad was really proud of finding it because it was like three CDs, and he's like, oh, look, you get three discs with this game. It must be great, and I tried playing it, and it's so confusing, and I have no idea what to do or where to go. The controls suck you're getting attacked from all angle you you play this tank and you're supposed to uh i guess this island got nuked and as a result um all these like hideous monsters are being spawned there or something so you get dropped in a tank out of a helicopter and land on this island and drive around first person style in a tank trying to blow up these uh these monsters while uh, disengaging some sort of like nuclear thing. So yeah, it's, but as a game, it's horrible, but the, but the, you've got this general ordering you around and he's, he hams it up big time. I think he knew he knew this game sucked. So (laughs) <laughs> he was he went all in like screaming passionately like at the camera and stuff like that. You've got to get out of there, you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, these screenshots are amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's it's very 1995. Yeah. It's for PC. Um there was another game that Tim Curry was in, another PC game or maybe it was Sega CD that he he played like some sort of scientist or something and he really hams it up too wasn't it a wasn't it frankenstein or something like that i kind of remember that yeah some sort of frankenstein thing i can't remember exactly but (laughs) he was he was great in that um let me look it up actually real quick we gotta Um, get that snest drunk of mabus that's what we need or a let's play or something mabus oh boy i don't know about that that game is rough (laughs) yeah frankenstein through the eyes of the monster Oh, and he also played Long John Silver on Muppet Treasure Island. Hell yeah. Oh, here's the game I'm thinking of. It's uh, Command and Conquer. Oh, right. He's on Red the cover, Alert 3, where he pl- Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Red Alert 3. God, I, I never got into that one. I got into the first two Red Alerts, but I never got the third one, and I'm suffering for it because I didn't realize it had Tim Curry. Man, but, uh, that's some good trivia.
0: Like, Tim Curry's on multiple pc game covers who would have thought yeah of all people tim the, the guy from rocky horror picture show yeah very very strange huh that's pretty cool yeah i guess those qualify so bad they're good all right up next uh we got an email from michael wilson who also goes by michael wilbon apparently which is fun
1: I, I, we've read an email from him
0: before and i called him michael wilbon for oh, some reason right you would yeah <laughs> He says, uh, hey guys, if you had to choose a Beast Wars Transformer to be, who would you choose? Thanks for reading and keep up the awesome work. Thank you, Michael, quote unquote, Will Bun. And he also says, P.S., if you don't know much about Beast Wars and want a simple overlook of the characters, feel free to check out a webpage I made that displays them. And boy, I don't know anything about Beast Wars, so I clicked the shit out of that page,
1: and these are hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's speaking of uh, mid-90s CG... Uh, These look like they were pulled straight from (laughs) Mabus. Yes, they do. Because it's pretty untextured, uh, you know, very, very uh, reboot looking Mm -hmm. things. I just remember the, I don't remember much about Beast Wars. I remember it being a a, a somewhat interesting show, but there was a commercial for it that would play and, uh, you know, this was like mid 90s when I was trying to be watch, I would try to watch like Darkwing Duck or something like that and a commercial Beast Wars would come on and this raptor dude I guess he's like evil it might be Dinobot in fact on this page and he he he's has this odd way of speaking where he goes he says in the commercial I prefer to defeat my opponents the old fashioned way and i'm like what did he say did he say rotate what are they playing volleyball (laughs) (laughs) like i I don't understand what he said turns out he says brutally brutally oh oh he tries to like lay on that you know uh mid-atlantic accent for some reason (laughs) but i always thought he said something like rotate like like they're playing volleyball against each other and they need to like rotate their their players i don't know beast wars volleyball
0: why is that not a game (laughs)
1: <laughs> That'd be great. At least Beast Wars golf. Yeah. I mean, Give me something. Uh yeah. Yeah, no, Beast Wars not not very strong opinions on that, but um I, I like I do have yeah I was gonna say I like some of the
0: things that he's got in here like I, I don't know anything about the show so the fact that Tigatron is a backup spy like, I don't even know what that means like you're a back like the first one got caught and then they just send you in I don't understand how that works yeah in the meantime he's just sitting there holding the clipboard <laughs> yeah, like uh, just, just waiting to come in yeah he, he yeah, rips cool. off his his warm ups and
1: jumps into the spy action yeah he doesn't get any reps with with the first string spies. <laughs> yeah. He just he, he only he only practices with the practice squad spies. Yeah. So he's he's a bit rusty, but he, he's there if you need him. Yeah, I love it. He's got like a weird jersey number like number 19 or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm going full football with this, but who's your choice? What are you what are you going to be? Uh, I'm going to be the guy with the mid-Atlantic accent. I want to be who I think it is. I think it's DinoBot. Okay.
0: So your personality is honorable that's good but you're second in command that's okay that's all right uh, I I'm like damar in deep space nine I'm gonna I'm gonna take over eventually cool cool I think I would have gone with with Dinobot because my my daughter likes dinosaurs so I might be forced to go with Megatron but it seems like a uh i don't know like a choice where you're you think you're all that because now now I'm the Predacon leader whatever that means but and my personality yeah. is maniacal you gotta love that I'm unpredictable all right
1: yep. yeah yeah first thing i think of with trav is is he is just what a maniacal sob that guy is, he is <laughs> he's all over the place all over the map maniacal sob that's what they say about me Un unstable i like i like how quick strikes personality is just described as loud i saw that i'm like how does a scorpion <laughs> slash cobra have make any noise he's he's the spinal tap of beast wars He's (laughs) one of the loudest (laughs) the loudest scorpions slash cobras in england and i also like uh rampage uh he's a red king crab and he's insane so that's that's cool oh i guess i i found
0: who i am i'm inferno i'm a fire ant and i'm obnoxious
1: obnoxious (laughs) i saw that one too (laughs) that's i like the mad scientist tarantula too he's he he looks like something out of mabus but with the color oh, scheme, for the purple sure. and the green and, and yellow, yeah, the garish colors, for sure. Sorry, folks, that we're describing things you can't see and uh, the <laughs>
0: URL's too long and complicated for us to link. Yeah, maybe we'll link it in the show description. I don't see any harm in that. Yeah, that could work. All right. Uh, Well, coming up next, we got a pretty interesting guy that uh you know a couple episodes ago when we had johnny Ethco on i was in full gush mode i was like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god and uh i didn't think it could happen to alex but i think uh i think we met alex's gush worthy guest
1: <laughs> yeah forgotten vcr he's got his own uh, twitch channel Uh, He has a massive videotape collection, and he makes VHS mixtapes by editing together bizarre and hilarious clips into a series of compilations, basically. The thing is is that he edits everything using linear tape, uh, or I should say linear tape-to-take technology from the late 90s. So he won't use it if it's not on... A videotape. He, he doesn't cheat by going to YouTube or using DVDs or anything like that. And he streams his finished product through his VCR onto his Twitch stream. And you'll see everything. The kind of stuff he shows is everything from pro wrestling to kung fu to giant robots to even more kung fu. Lots of kung fu. He throws some like weird commercials in there, anime, and just really just clips from strange, forgotten movies. And me being a you know a huge mystery science theater fan, uh, that is totally way up my alley. Love that channel. Uh, he streams on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, and uh, he's a really he's a really good guest. He's he's an excellent speaker. Uh, we hope you enjoy it. All right, Mr. VCR,
0: thanks so much for stopping by tonight. Hopefully you're doing well. Can't wait to get to the bottom of whatever this is. I feel like Alex and I are the FBI, and we're like, we got to talk about this, man. What's going on? What's been going on out there?
2: (laughs) Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's really
1: awesome to have you, because uh, normally when we start these podcasts, we're already told, you know, we've already told the audience what the guest does and all that. But I think even after that, it's still really kind of hard to describe what your Twitch stream is. And I, I believe me, I mean that in the best possible way because it's so entertaining and so much fun oh, to nice. watch. So when you talk about your Twitch channel to someone that doesn't know about it, how do you describe it to somebody?
2: Um, well, I come from a film background and I have a lot of appreciation for how films are made. Uh, I especially love like tropes. And sort of stereotypical elements. And I like finding patterns in, in media in general. And film is a really interesting medium to find patterns in. And w- one of the tropiest genres of film I have ever stumbled across <laughs> is martial arts. Of course. Um, it is the most repetitive. And I mean this in the, in the best way possible. It's so repetitive and it's so reliable in what's going to happen and in what you should expect from the thematic elements. And because of that, you get these wonderful opportunities to kind of go against an audience's expectations. So within Mm. the context of what I do is I watch a lot of VHS tapes just in my free time. Um, I do video editing and I'm also a college professor. So I do a lot of, especially in COVID times, I do a lot of sitting in front of a computer And so I always just have, like, a TV and a VCR next to me, and I put in tapes that either I've bought recently or that I've had, you know, for a long time. And I started finding just cool patterns, right? Like, I noticed that in a lot of the ninja movies have, there's a scene where someone runs up a hill and yells ninja. Like, that (laughs) happens in six or seven of them, and it's not always the same character, even. Yep. And so I started sort of compiling these together, and I realized that if you sort of compiled a compilation of these scenes with little, like, bumps or, or you know, I use video uh, distributor logos as my sort of, like, palette cleanser between the sequences. Sure, yeah. You can sort of create a fake narrative. And you can do yes. that because so many things are the same in these movies. And so you can almost interchange different sequences from like movies made years apart, but thematically it still works. Uh, aesthetically it still works. I, I make a joke a lot about Hong Kong Blue. There's something about Hong Kong movies from the 80s and 90s where they just have this <laughs> blue wash to them for some reason. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so what I'm trying to do is construct a fake narrative... From compiling together similar footage from similar distributors, directors, and time period.
1: Yeah, that brings me to my next question, which is like that you usually start each tape with the same clips. With you got Jack Mm. Ready, you got Mary Correspondence, (laughs) you got the series of piracy warnings. But I, I admit I haven't seen most of your tapes. I've only seen like I want to say like from forty onward. Okay, and you just you just did sixty one the other day. Mm -hmm. But um, do you keep Some of those, I was just going to say, you keep those clips in there just to keep a sense of familiarity for the audience, or maybe as a kind of your own personal imprint on each mixtape,
2: or yeah, how does that work for you? So I don't want it to turn into everyone feeding me ideas, because that then sort of removes what i think makes cuz i don't own any of this stuff none of this is sure. mine the sure. thing that is mine is the way i put it together yes so, exactly i'm very kind of controlling about that sort of stuff and i'll even tell people in the discord like thank you but no thank you like mm-hmm. i don't <laughs> i don't want your clips i don't want your input this is my my collection of movies that i want to watch mm-hmm. i don't necessarily buy stuff because i want to use it I buy it because I'm interested in that film anyway, and if there's something cool in there, oh, well, that's like just, you know, that's butter. (laughs) Um, But uh, I I think that really uh, what started, the reason why this format became what it became is because certain audience members really latched on to clips I would use. And whenever I play a clip that, I don't know, that, that resonates with people or that they talk about even when the clip isn't playing... I know that I have to try to find more stuff like that. Sure. Um and that's the kind of give and take, I suppose. Like they, I use a clip of this character named Hanuman and he's oh, like God, I,
1: I'm not Hanuman. Oh no.
2: He's centuries <laughs> centuries old. Like he's in fact the the pose that he does when he has his hands <laughs> in the air and he flies across the air, that is that is referencing <laughs> A historical or a a mythological tale where he carries this island with a cure for a disease to these diseased people. Like, he's this heroic, wonderful person. But in the context of the movies that I use... Hanuman is terrifying. He's really terrifying in these movies. It's a a particular distributor that makes these Hanuman movies, and they make him just vile and disgusting and violent for some reason. And there's something about it that really that just resonated with people. And so I I realized I have to use more (laughs) footage of this. I have to find a way to tie it in. Um, So yeah, that's the interactive part.
1: Yeah. You talk about like recurring jokes and running gags and that sort of thing. But like, I, I I really like what you do when, like when some guy gets thrown into the water, you always, or not you, I shouldn't say you always, (laughs) but you, you No, I usually do. Yeah. You, you cut to the seaside in the twilight clip with the boat. Mm -hmm. And or when someone wins a fight, you play you are the champ
2: Uh, if they won in a very if they won very effectively. Yes, very much so. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I got to imagine that's something that keeps you going when it comes to these mixtapes working in creative ways. Is that like on purpose? Like you keep making those edits like for that purpose?
2: Well, it's fun because then you can play off of people's expectations. Like, they'll yeah, expect a exactly. certain clip to happen, and then you can... So I think that there's a time that I use the champ clip where halfway through it, I stop it, and a character starts going like, wait, 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 and then, like, it moves into something else. <laughs> and so you can sort of, like, you can mess with people's expectations in that way, which is, if you think about it, it's like messing with people's expectations twice. Because Sh- already, yeah. you know... Already they're watching what they think is a martial arts film and then someone says or does something absolutely off character or, mm. or you know. My whole thing is I think that, that part of why some of these clips work is because there's a genuine earnestness to the production. These people, it, it's why the room is appealing to people. You know, mm. there's like Sharknado and all those kinds of movies and yeah, haha, those are great. But The Room was made by someone who thought he was making something really good. Yes, exactly. And there's something tragically awesome about it. And I feel the same way about bad martial arts films, and especially films from Hong Kong in the 80s and 90s, because they're trying to emulate Hollywood, but in a weird way, by failing to do that, they're actually making something way cooler than what we could have ever made. (laughs) <laughs> and so it it all just sort of folds in on itself. When now in 2021, some dude in his 30s is just like profiling the best bits, <laughs> like a few days a week. Um, and so thank yeah. God
1: that involves Reb Brown many times because Reb Brown, have to use Reb Brown. Oh, you got to use Reb Brown. He for those uh, that uh, listeners that don't know, he is the uh, space mutiny guy from uh mystery science theater. And that brings me to the next question is like, you're, you're clearly a big mystery science theater fan. I would have to imagine. Oh, sure. Which, which means that you can't use uh, both mystery science theater and <laughs> riff tracks or like mm-hmm. film crew or any of that stuff uh, just by personal principle or, or whatever the case may be.
2: Yeah. I mean, I do. So the whole thing is, is I never expected people to give me money for this. Like, I do video editing because it's fun, and obviously I do it as a side career and whatnot, but this whole thing was just, like, a fun experiment. And when I started getting, like, support and people were telling me to do more and make more and do one a week and, like, make intros and make the intros a half hour, and I never really thought that people would sort of... I didn't think people would be so invested in it. So now that they are, I really do have this rule about making things mine like i don't want you in my stream giving me money if i'm just replaying something that i literally i didn't touch you know what i mean i didn't edit it i didn't do something to it um and so yeah that's kind of been i don't know if that exactly answers it but that's that's sort of what i've been working toward
1: but i just wanted to touch on the fact that like (laughs) <laughs> I just wanted a fanboy for a second like you're a Mystery <laughs> Science Theater fan because I grew
2: up as a Joel fan way back in the early oh, 90s. Oh, sure. Yeah. So. Well, you've seen that stuff and I know my audience yes. and you don't want to see the same stuff you've already seen. That's, uh, exactly. la- that's, that's lazy. That's lazy. And then that way also, yes. in the same way, I can then point you to... So, you know, for example, one of the, the characters that I use is uh, Silver Hypnotics. Silver Hypnotics hmm. is a well-known shitty tape. Like, it's in some of the Everything is Terrible uh, tapes from years ago. And me using him is sort of like me saying, like, hey, tape nerds, remember this guy? I know who this guy is. And so sometimes I'll drop clips in... To let people know that like, yeah, well, like, we're all part of this big, stupid, bad media community. <laughs> <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, I don't want to use clips from things that you're already consuming. I, I love red letter media, but I, we have some similar tastes. And there have been times where I've used clips that then weeks later end up on a red letter media video. And it's not huh. related at all, but then yeah. immediately I want to edit it out.
1: Mm. yeah uh, yeah there you go because it's it's like
2: you it's know want yeah it's not yours anymore
1: it <laughs> yeah. belongs to everybody else uh and exactly. they do a way
2: better job making fun of <laughs> things like I just I just use clips out of context for humorous effect they they get amazingly wasted and end up having some incredibly <laughs> thought-provoking ideas about terrible movies so they can have it
0: so yeah, so I'm trying to piece this together. So Alex was was obviously much more involved in your streams and whatnot than me. I was introduced to you in the wee hours sometime last week. He's like, dude, you got to check this out. We're talking to this guy next week, and I was like, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> and I've spent a week trying to figure it all out. And I'm still, I have to mm. admit, after what are we at? Twelve minutes of talking about it, I'm still a little bit lost, but I'm hanging in there. Uh, so you're kind of like yeah. a, a, you're a VCR. I don't know. I'm like a DJ, like an esoteric tape jockey
2: kind of thing you know, the vcr thing is so not even important anymore no <laughs> to what i do <clears throat> it's kind of like a gimmick almost now um i will say though i like having a a, a piece of gear that does something <laughs> you know instead yeah. of everything being through my computer it's like yeah an a- apparatus that i can control with a remote you've got
1: some mechanical <laughs> stuff there that's like some real stuff yeah, yeah i know what you mean it's not computerized i gotcha
2: it's the other sort of thing about me giving you something, because right. the way I always factored it in was, why wouldn't I just post this on YouTube? I mean, the interactivity is a really big part of it, which is why I don't just post things on YouTube, but if uh, if the if the delivery system, if you know that it's a VHS tape through a VCR, and there's going to be little fuck-ups, and the tracking is going to mess up, and it Yeah. I mean, there's a bit of um, I don't like using the word authenticity because that's so fucking stupid right now (laughs) because nothing's authentic. But it's 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 real. It's a tangible thing. And I think it's better than watching a stream where you see like the little like iMovie like play menu pop up and they hit play. Nothing depresses me more than that. Mm. like oh we're just watching we're just watching a screen capture of your laptop okay
0: (laughs) I have to ask too because you said you were a professor it it does what you teach does that is that film related is that related to maybe not specifically to what you do on your stream but I mean (laughs) is it is it film related
2: yeah so I teach classes in film and I also teach classes in sort of like um, what we would call like personal branding and like content creation basically i i help with video and film in the artistic sort of uh, context as well as in the how can you make your instagram video look better
0: and do the things that you do i mean some of the tropes and and that kind of thing like maybe film theory mm. does that does the hobby side of life does it overlap a lot with what you teach at all
2: oh 100 like uh, one of my mods probably the most dedicated mod i have uh james this guy the opponent um, he also has a film background. And he, he. Uh, so one of the, the tropes that I like in martial arts films is the obsession with um, drugs. And not doing drugs, but buying them and then gaining power through the purchasing <laughs> and selling of them. And it's, it's a subplot in all of these movies that people are selling he, drugs. Is he the
1: guy that does the pie chart? Of, yes. Of-
2: yes. <laughs> He has an elaborate pie chart he's constructed of every drug transaction in the <laughs> movies i've used and and the pie chart is broken down on on their varying levels of success or failure. <laughs> Hang on here I'll let me just grab it he grab
1: yeah me. he he posted a, an updated one the other day, and it was, <laughs> oh yeah oh, it oh, that's right he updated killed be. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's the funniest thing ever because it's like, it, it, it breaks it down like very <laughs> specifically like, okay, this this transaction fell apart, this one worked, this one didn't, uh, this one uh, f- fell into
2: gunfire. Outcomes of in-person large money transactions. <laughs> <laughs> large money transactions. We got raid by police, raid by ninjas. No, so at, the point I'm trying to get at <laughs> is that I think that... I think that film, coming from a film background, it does teach you to sort of deconstruct film in a way that's enjoyable, right? I mean, it really, I don't think I appreciate film in the same way other audiences do. And that's not like a hoity-toity, like, ugh, I appreciate them. But, like, I do think that I probably see them differently. I actually think that an uninitiated, like, unfilm educated audience probably enjoys movies more. Um, but there's something about film education that leads you to just pick things apart and look for patterns and sort of obsess over those patterns. Um, so, yeah, I think that a lot of my film background does kind of bleed into the stream. I'm constantly dropping film-related things that I think are common knowledge that I'm discovering or not, um, hmm. like the 180-degree rule. I don't even know what that is. What- okay, so, all right, so in a movie... If I am filming you from the right-hand side, and you're looking at me, and you're talking to me, right? And if I then flip the camera and have it... So the 180-degree line, if you cross it, it'll look like two people are on the same side talking against each other as opposed to towards one another. (laughs) Right, right. It's Honestly, it's something that if you've watched movies, you won't fuck this up. But it (laughs) happens in martial arts films
1: yes it <laughs> so
2: does. often where well actually in one of the clips that i use every mixtape where um uh harry's wife moves the curtain aside and then the halloween decorations are there and it says challenge <laughs> that devils that's what i like to say they are i don't know what they are <laughs> it's like a skull but it looks like a cardboard like halloween decoration.
1: it really does look like christmas decorations or something yeah well
2: and so she yells off screen to the right where does Harry appear? The left. It looks like he <laughs> appears like, it doesn't make sense spatially. Right. And, and Harry's just like, hmm. Well, and, and so you spend film school being told there's a cinematic language. There's a reason why yes. people do things a certain way. And when you then watch these movies and and you learn that they're all made by a similar pool of directors and filmmakers, and they all get everything wrong <laughs> like it just they just don't care it's just there's no real concern about it almost um and there's something uh, very appealing about that like there's again it's that weird earnestness where it's like yeah. oh, fuck fuck audio i want to watch ninjas fight and like that's what they're emphasizing
1: pretty much yeah i mean that's what i've learned from your uh mixtapes is just like hey here's here's some guys. Here's some bad dubbing. Here's here's these dudes that just want to fight. So let's fight. Let's go. Oh. Come on. Fight.
2: And I love that. So, yeah. yeah. Right no. on. It's a... I appreciate that very much. <laughs> it's, it's a good time. The only thing is is that um, when people then go and look into these films, mm. because, you know, I'll use one or two scenes from the movies, and, and people will be like, what is this? And I'll go, oh, this is called Ninja of the Magnificence, which is a real title. And they're like, oh, wow, that's awesome. And then they get back to me and go, hey, there's two rape scenes and they kill a snake on screen. And you're like, yeah, that's Hong Kong cinema from the late 70s. (laughs) I don't use those clips. Yeah. Because that's but that's something that that I've actually had people tell me. I don't actually go into your movie list anymore because I've stumbled across some things in these movies I don't care for. Yeah. It's like yeah, that's that's unfortunately that genre. Um Pass. Yeah. Interest. Pass. No thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I dilute all of that out. There's there's That's a, I
1: I'm honestly thankful for that because yeah. it makes your stream that much more fun.
2: You know, it just
1: becomes more fun. I don't want to see that crap, you know, when I'm, you know, when that, you know some filmmaker's idea of what he thinks is art. You know, I
2: do wish I could show the consensual sex scenes, though, because they are <laughs> absolutely hilarious. I, well,
1: like the room has some hilariously stupid <laughs> consensual sex scenes, which is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, everybody should see those just to, you know, as, as a practice of safe sex for anything else. And, you know, it's it's absurd. Of course. But mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Travis, have you seen the room? Yeah. Yeah.
0: You have? Yeah. Who hasn't at this point? It's become so mean. I mean, what
1: did you think? Well, what are your thoughts on it? What did you think of it? I don't know. I, I just really tried not to. I,
0: I laughed at it more because I, I was in on the uh, why it you was bad. You tried not to see it? Well, I, I I knew before going in that it was bad. I wasn't surprised by it like maybe some people were when it first came out. Mm-hmm. It okay. was already like yeah. a joke. And I watched it and I was like, Yeah,
2: Haha, indeed. Why does that movie break my heart and I don't laugh at it like everyone else does. This is going to sound weird but but I really No, do...
1: it's that guy that guy is earnest. It, earnestness breaks my heart too, but the thing is is that earnestness has a breaking point for me personally where it just <laughs> goes beyond a certain threshold where it's mm. just like you oh high mark, you know, it's just like once you reach that high mark point <laughs> I guess you call it the high mark point or a low mark instead even. of a watershed point yeah. That's yeah. The it's high the mark high point. mark point
2: <laughs> yeah it's it's there's just something about that film where you feel like so if, if art or film is the extension of who a person is and the story yeah. they want to tell about themselves this guy clearly had a bad relationship that did not end well right <laughs> and then and in I the movie so. in the movie he's like oh hi, like he's friends with the most handsome people and it's like, that's what he wants out of life. Like, that's what he wishes he... I always watch The Room, and it's like, this is what Tommy Masao, like wishes his life was like. I don't know. It always makes me a little sad. It's a lot of tossing the football around. That's not too bad. No, A lot no. of pigskin tossing.
1: On um, the top of a building for some reason. Yeah, I mean, that's oh, fun.
2: Let's, let's be fair. They never filmed anything on top of a building. <laughs> Did you know that he literally spent thousands of dollars to film on a green screen on the ground oh and make it look God. like a roof? Oh,
1: Oh, my God.
2: Classic Tommy. <laughs> Classic. You know he shot that film in digital and film uh, simultaneously? Oh he just—he literally God. taped two cameras together? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Mm-hmm.
2: It's a fascinating film. Uh, it
1: really is. Uh, it really is. I mm-hmm. wish, yeah. Well, speaking. I wish they would like tell you that, but anyway. Yeah, Go ahead, Trev. Uh, I'm sorry. I was going
0: to say, speaking of films and tapes, I'm trying to do a segue, but. Didn't really work. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a, you, you mentioned like you, you use videotapes, which probably means you're not you're not digging into the DVD bins. You're not looking for anything on YouTube or as you mentioned earlier, anything where you can see a laptop screen, so to speak. So, are there any tapes or movies out there in particular that you'd eventually like to get your hands on to use in a mixtape? But they're hard to find. Or is there any white I whales out there got for one. you?
2: One. So I just got a, I just got a white whale. Oh, nice. There's this Uh-oh. movie called. Incident at, hang on, let me make sure I have the title correct. I saw it at a punk film festival years Mm. ago, and it was an old movie even at that time. Incident at Channel Q. So this is a movie from 1985. It is a huge ripoff. Well, I don't know which came first, but it's very similar to Pump Up the Volume. I'm trying to think when that came out. Remember that movie? That would have been
1: like 1990, I think.
2: Let me see. Yeah, 90. That's 1990. All right, so this is like, it's pump-up-the-volume-esque, but it's about a kid who takes over a radio station and plays heavy metal music, and the Mm. movie is filled with all of these direct-to-the-camera, like, you parents think you know us, and I just can't fucking wait. Like, I haven't seen this thing in years. <laughs> All that's on YouTube is like a two-minute trailer of it, and I found – I just randomly stumbled across this and remembered it and got it. <laughs> um, So that was one. I mean, there are um, – I'm trying to think if there's – honestly, what I'm more looking for now is um, artwork. Like specific editions mm. of movies that I have okay. that are the older versions of it with better box art.
1: Yeah. That's kinda how I am with my Super Nintendo stuff where yeah. I just I just want like some cool looking box art or my Genesis cartridges, like just give me the Gunstar Heroes stuff with like the <laughs> Japanese box art or something. I don't know. But anyway. Yeah, yeah no, that's that's really cool. I um What was the movie you just showed the other day that was... uh... Oh, well,
2: I should say, and I just use it in a mixtape, I was looking for American Commando 3 Savage Temptation for the better part of a year. (laughs) What What a
1: great name for a movie, by the way.
2: Holy shit, this movie. So this has Pierre Kirby in it, who, if you're not familiar, (laughs) Pierre Kirby just went missing one day, and no one knows whatever happened to him. And he's in a bunch of these IFD martial arts films. But the reason why I wanted this movie is because on the front of the box and on the back, it shows a gang of guys wearing children's Gundam masks. And they're all in, like, a minivan about to rob somebody. And That's I was right. Like, they, so I their have masks, to have that.
1: Their masks don't, like, fit properly. They're their all, kids like, masks.
2: scrunched yeah. to their face. Yeah. That's <laughs> the best part. <laughs> <laughs> I look for little details like that, like... Um, you know, I... I uh, th- whenever somebody like adjusts their helmet or their co- or a part of their costume falls off, or I-, I live for that sort of stuff. I adore it. It's it just is very endearing to me.
1: It's too funny. Yeah. No, <laughs> that was part of sixty one. I think right where. Yeah. It was...
2: Yes, that was that was one that I bought specifically for tape sixty, and then forgot about it, and then watched it later, and was like, oh wow, he.
1: What is with kung fu movies? These movies that take place, they have action sequences on bridges. Yes, And, yeah, they they all, you know, is, is it just a convenient way to get rid of people, get rid of characters where they fly over the edge? Or, it, I mean, it, that
2: could be, I, I will say, though, that if you fight on a bridge and no one goes over that bridge, you're going to disappoint your audience. That's true. So, yeah. That's a good point. And that has happened where they fight on a bridge and no one goes over. Um, I mean, I don't know. There's what, what's it, it depends on the distributor, right? So certain you can look at general, general tropes of martial arts films. And yeah, I'd agree. Similar to like westerns, there's like a standoff and they do often oh, sure, occur yeah. on like bridges. But when yeah. you start getting into like directors and distributors and you get into like IFD and ocean shores and everything they made was made in this one section of Kowloon. Um, and you can literally. People in my Discord have gone on Google Maps and like been like, "Up, oh, that's the hill where Harry kills Stuart. and like, "Here's the amusement park where in American Commando Ninja where that dude gets killed in the rappel accident," and like all these places where uh, all these movies were all made in this like six mile radius. Um, <laughs> wow. There's a gazebo that's in all of these ninja movies and it's the same fucking gazebo in every single one i was gonna That's say awesome.
1: it seems like the same freaking bridge in all these movies.
2: it's a it's park and not- it's a park in kowloon it's like we just jokingly call it kowloon park like we don't know what it is <laughs> but um we like to we joke that they they shot there because they didn't have to get permits
1: so for people that don't know though uh like what is ifd what is uh seaside and or not seaside but what, what is it called oceanside sorry what what are what are those things for? They people are f- don't know
2: film distributors. Um, and in the 1980s, and actually, I actually, uh, I think that the Red Letter Media talks about this a little bit. But what what you would do is you could really deceive your audience. It's sort of like the physical equivalent of clickbait, where if you have a really cool cover and you know a cool title, which of course you've changed the title from whatever it originally was. You know, and you edit these things together. You don't have to have a big marketing budget. People will buy them for their rental stores purely based on the artwork. That you know, I mean, look at Atari games. It's a really good example of here's a turd, but we have this beautiful <laughs> work of art to represent what we think this looks like, or what of we of course. Think. Um, yeah. And so, IFD Ocean Shores. There's a series of distributors that basically realized that they could take films from China, Hong Kong, Korea, Thailand, the Philippines, redub them, oftentimes completely eliminating what the original plot was, and then cut in new footage with American actors dressed up like ninjas, and try to patchwork these movies together. And really, if I'm being all George Lucasy here, that's sort of what I'm doing with my mixtapes is I'm taking a bunch of shit that isn't supposed to fit together and I'm trying to patchwork it together into an hour long narrative.
1: So you got a bunch of you got a bunch of explosions with like rings around them and stuff like that. Is, is that what you're saying?
2: <laughs> <laughs> the George Lucas I got effect. final forms. Yeah. There you yeah, go. Yeah. No, but uh, yeah. So it was a cheap way to make a film and trick people into renting it or buying it. But then there were some people in the late 90s that grew a sort of affinity for these movies. I mean, I usually credit it to um, uh, Hexstatic, and um, I'm trying to think of the other Ninja Tune. There was a series of like electronic artists that were on this label called Ninja Tune and they were editing in ninja movies a lot. And that was my first realization of like, oh, there's a bunch of like shitty ninja movies from the 80s I should look into. And at that time, like, you could get them for nothing. Like, you could... There was a record store I used hmm. to go to where they had VHS tapes, and that's where I bought most of mine hmm. um, for, like, a few dollars. Um, but now they're all available on YouTube. Almost everything I use is available on YouTube, with the exception of, like, some of the rarer things. Um, but that's why we have the list. I want people to watch these in their full context, not just see the, like made up context that I've created for them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say like what is like the what's the white whale for you? Like what are you trying to get that uh you haven't gotten yet?
2: Um I don't know. I mean, I have to say that like everything is pretty much available to me if I want it, but I have to say that I would love to find I would love to find a movie that is from one of these distributors or directors that people haven't connected back to yet. Mm. Uh, Which does happen. In fact, someone in my Discord just told me the other day that somebody found a movie that's like a lost Godfrey Ho film. Um, And they just found it on VHS. Kenny Lauderdale with anime has stumbled across like incredibly rare anime that had been lost. So I think A White Whale for me would be a movie that you can find no trace of and I'd be able to sort of put that back out to so that it would be available. I would sure. love to do that. I can't say that I've ever really found anything that is like just lost media, you know, yeah, I'd like to contribute in some way like that, probably.
1: That'd be awesome.
0: Yeah, that'd be a um, whole Indiana so, Jones thing that'd be pretty sweet. but <laughs> he, he, I mean not <laughs> well, the movie. I mean, there's just the uh,
2: there's a know. lot of um it, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but a uh, Flemish dog is an Australian, and it's so funny because in like like in my circle, Flemish dog is like the final boss. He's been uploading things to archive.org for like a decade. And if you've ever seen like a vaporwave music video or like some piece of footage with like Japanese commercials or anything, there's like a 90% chance it's one of his uploads. Um, And I've always really been impressed by that, that like he just like he'll buy all these tapes from Japan and just upload every single bit of it. And then people can build new things out of it. So I think that that's, you know, that's something like beneficial. We're stealing media for our own gain. So maybe like a way to sort of like (laughs) make that better is to sort of like, you know, freedom of information in a way.
0: Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, it it sounds like you're a huge collector of these things. Um, What's that collection like? How much room does that take up? When did it start kind of thing?
2: Um, I've had tapes forever. And I just never got rid of them because – I don't know. I just never really got rid of them. I just uh, (laughs) – I'm not a hoarder, okay, so don't assume that. (laughs) No, no. But (laughs) But I was able to keep tapes at my parents' house after I moved out. So I remember somebody bought me something kind of rare on VHS. I don't remember what it was. And I was like, hey, I have a lot of tapes back at my parents' house. And then in going through the stuff at my parents' house, I realized, like, holy shit, like, I have this, like, whole collection that suddenly is relevant again. This is maybe, like, 10 or 12 years ago. And then I just started collecting more um hardcore around that time and really trying to track down, like, trying to get, like, complete collections of, like, Seng tapes mm-hmm. or... um I'm currently trying to collect tr- track down all of the Sh- Shaolin Dolomite collection martial arts tapes, which are just a bunch of kung fu movies introduced by Rudy Ray Moore for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> he's on the cover too. Didn't like, I was gonna for say, no reason? You, he's on the fucking cover.
1: Didn't you like uh, introduce one of those the other day? Where it's a movie just...
2: I've been looking for forever called yeah. Mission Mission Kiss and Kill, which is a badass <laughs> title. <laughs> And I really, I, oh, here, I'll just read this baby face. That was just, yeah, yeah. that
1: was just the other day, I think, where it was just like, what the hell is this guy doing here? Yeah, yeah. this
2: is, this is the baby face assassin versus the basket head assassin gang. Oh. And that's why I need it. So anyway, I finally found a copy of it, but it's got Rudy Ray Moore taking up like 60%. I'll show it on the stream tomorrow. (laughs)
0: But um, so in your collection, which is which is sizable, it sounds like I know these VHS tapes, they don't have an infinite lifespan. Are you finding how often do you find some that are worn out and how much of a concern is that for you?
2: Uh, It is a big concern, actually, whenever I buy a tape off of. So generally I buy tapes uh, through the mail off of Yahoo listings or eBay sometimes. And this is a little hint. And this is true with like every collectible. You should always go on Etsy because people who are selling like, you know, custom birthday cake candles, they're probably selling their kids video games along with it and they don't <laughs> know what they're worth. And so I'm just saying in all of, when you're searching for things, you should always go on Etsy. I know it's probably not going to be there, but it might <laughs> and it might be there for like next to nothing. But I always message the seller and say, ship this to me in a box. Because I get if you ship me a tape in a mailer bag, mm, no you're gonna send me a cardboard. You're sending me a cardboard sleeve with plastic, sh- like shards in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I've had to do a lot of tape surgery, but oh, and it sucks to do that because the inside of a VHS tape is full of like springs and levers and like it, it's more complicated than you would <sighs> think. No joke. Yeah. So I replace spools sometimes. I actually got um. There's a tape that I had been looking for for a while, and it arrived just smashed. But as long as the magnetic tape is okay, I can switch that out. Actually, I'll probably do a stream sometime where I switch it out. I just don't know if I want Damn. the pressure. I don't want the pressure of people like watching me do it, <laughs> so I might not. I might make it like a YouTube video.
1: I don't get how people do that. That's a thing that people do with, like, uh, there's, there's a fellow I know from Australia that does that. Mm. And he's like, oh, I'm going to repair this game boy advance i'm gonna replace the screen with a, a backlit screen i'm like how can you do that with an audience dude like that's insane yeah. And,
2: and yeah he... probably be better for a youtube video yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. um no but you know what's worse so if a tape breaks that's really not that big a deal like i can it's time consuming it's annoying but i can fix it i can it doesn't hair- ruin the
1: rest of it yeah
2: If the label is a sticker, I can hit it with a hairdryer, remove it, put it on a new tape. You have no idea I've switched the tapes, right? The big problem is mold. That's the biggest problem I run into because cleaning a tape with mold is... Well, first of all, no one's really figured out a perfect way to do it. Um, I have sacrificial VCRs that are mold VCRs. Like, I want to get a biohazard sticker and put it (laughs) on it. So I just remember, like, this is not a spare VCR. This is the VCR that you play moldy tapes in.
1: That was my next question: Is what is your go-to VCR? Is it a Panasonic? Is it a Sony? Like, what, what are you going to?
2: Um, so, for my use, I really like this um, Sony uh, SLV. Is what it go. is. And there's a whole, there's a whole series of SLVs. Everyone wants the really old, cool VCR don't do that because it's going to eat your tapes and it's not going to be very optimized. Right. What you need to get is a really late model VCR that has manual tracking and you're good to go. That's Mm -hmm. really like all you have to worry about because they perfected it at that point. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, And yeah, and I don't ever get stuff eaten in that the VCR I use for the stream I purposefully use a sort of shitty Toshiba because I found that it bleeds the color a little bit, and I really like how it looks. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's going
1: yeah. to look a certain way, and I, I really like how your, how your stream looks at that point, and I think a lot of your audience looks at that point, too. And I wanted to ask you about that, too. Um, your audience, like... Hmm? Did you think that was going to be a thing when you started <laughs> the, the, your Twitch stream because the uh, audience no. has become such a huge part of your your stream and it's been such a fun thing that's just like holy shit like all these people are like chanting along with all the <laughs> all
2: the stuff it's so cool I don't know I mean I don't know what to say that doesn't sound like doesn't make me sound like oh well you know you sound like cut. James Hetfield like yeah yeah like I don't I don't really like if I'm gonna be perfectly honest I um I think people maybe just like the fact that I actually pay attention and listen to what they say you know like if there's if if there's mm. a common attitude towards a certain character or type of footage or we want to see more of this or whatever. I kind of go out of my way to like answer that and respond to that, and um, I think that when you're watching pre-prepared media, which is what these mixtapes are, maybe that makes it feel a little less pre-prepared. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I don't. It, I always like uh, new tape nights because people in the chat are like, "Oh, I love this." You, I never know what the fuck you're gonna show, <laughs> <laughs> and it really like it motivates me to make things sort of more extreme and a little bit weirder um again the whole expectations thing yeah but um but no i i the audience is a really big part of why things got more complicated um because one there was a group of people who week by week were paying attention to what i was doing which is crazy <laughs> yeah. like and talking about it in the discord about like what they think something means or where they think i got <laughs> a piece of footage from or like Excuse me. But um and I've said this to a lot of friends of mine that are that are artists, right like right, creative types and whatnot. I was like, you need to find a way to get a group of people or an audience or something that will make you make things. Like making this be a Twitch stream was one of the smartest things I ever did. Because I could have done this on YouTube, I could have done this just through like Patreon or something like that. Yeah. But because I have a schedule I have to get off my fucking ass and make stuff. One
1: hundred percent. Yeah. No. That I completely agree uh, with that. Um, so, are is Mary? Here's the thing. I here's all I want to ask. Here's why I had you on. The,
2: know, oh yeah, kidding. sure. Is I'm Mary totally still kidding. alive? I don't know. No,
1: no, no. Is Mary the re? Is Mary watching the the, the videotape? Is she the one watching the tape throughout? The whole stream is she is, is is she the one sitting on her
2: couch watching I mean, the stream? I like I personally like to think so that that's <laughs> that, that is what is happening. That's but then what there I are, like to think too. So I'm glad there, you said that. There's a lot of things though that I think that have been reinterpreted, right? Like here, hmm. I'll give one. Here's one, right? Okay. I, I don't know if I've ever really spoken about it. The it's not like it's a big deal, but there's a in the in the sequence where. Harry, Richard Harrison yes. is yelling Ninja on the hillside. Yes. I used to do this edit where it's Stuart Smith and Richard Harrison yelling Ninja, and then it cuts to a screen that says ten years later. <laughs> and then it has Harry running up a hill in a different sequence. And the way <laughs> I put that edit together was that, okay, Harry and Stuart are on this hill. Clearly <laughs> Harry killed Stewart and now ten years later, Harry's the only one alive. That was why I thought that edit was funny. The audience interpreted that that this dude was 10 years late to the meetup on the mountain. And so that's what that's become. And I have no control over that. Like, that's just what that's become.
1: Yeah. That works for me.
2: So yeah, it's the same thing with Hanu Man. I never meant for him to be this like <laughs> demonic, like oh horrible he's individual.
1: Hor- he's scared he's in my nightmares. He's he's horrendous, he's terrible, and I hope I never meet him and I want to punch him in the face. But anyway, <laughs> do you remember like these episodes? Like from like if I had asked you like what's episode twenty four? Like, do you know what that is? Oh, like, of my what- tapes? Yeah, of your take. are oh, fuck, sorry, your mixed fuck tapes. no!
2: Yeah, no. I actually, I have. There are. There's another one of my mods, Urn, um, and he. Oh, right, 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 right. He is like, I, I love the guy because he keeps track of when I show everything. Yeah. Like, he's an incredibly valuable asset to me because I don't replay things anymore. I don't mm. accidentally reuse footage anymore because he has all these spreadsheets and github things he sends me where he keeps track and he's constantly trying to hunt down footage that i've not revealed like he makes it like his job he's Um, like he's like the guy they
1: used to talk about a guy like that on x-files
2: where it was like,
1: oh, <laughs> we have a guy on X Files that has like a binder of back, you know, footage. Oh, the Bible, yeah yeah, 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 the Bible, yeah. You have you have your own guy like that. That's amazing. We need like, a guy. Well, hey,
2: and then yes. I have, uh, and then I have people that like um, Avi, who goes out of his way to, like, is so knowledgeable about certain things, especially Japanese-related stuff that like anytime a pop song from another country shows up in my stream he's able to give like oh that's so and so Nakanari and you might remember her songs from the intro to this Tokusatsu show <laughs> and like we'll just like start dry- and I don't ask him to do that this is just like he enjoys what I'm showing and because he's a mod I let him like go wild like tell them all about Naoko Kawai and why this song is not actually called My Heart and what other songs she did and all of that. You know, it's... I think that's, again... There's a lot of channels that I've found that just, like, show cool footage, but there's, like, no interaction and there's no context. And what makes it fun is, like, you walk away, like, learning about some of this stuff and maybe looking into, like, some of these directors or genres or what have you.
0: So I guess you're the only one out there that makes mixtapes like this, so to speak. No,
2: not at all. No. There's plenty of other people that do it. Yeah, um... There is uh, oh on YouTube. He has a name that sounds like a Sega Genesis game. I was gonna say like who? I was gonna say who the hell else does this? Other it, than we you? all, everyone has different styles of how they do it. Nice. Um, uh, if you're familiar with the artist Vectroid, she's made mixtapes before. Um, Vectroid you're talking VHS tapes. Um, no, but using compilation footage and like, uh, found footage and things like that. I don't necessarily think that the format that they come on is necessarily like, I, I I agree. I source exclusively from VHS, but that's (laughs) because I'm looking for, I want all of the footage I use to have a sort of aesthetic consistency. Mm -hmm, Sure. And so if I take from all martial arts films made from the late (laughs) seventies or into the mid nineties, I'm going to get a very consistent sort of look. Sure. I will say that a lot of mixtapes that people make, there's no concern about the consistency. It's more just sort of like, um, honestly, it's kind of like what YouTube poop became, if you really think about it. (laughs) It's like weird combinations of footage to sort of create um, jokes or humor. Like, Everything is Terrible has mixtapes that are very quickly edited where... You know, I'll say two words, and it'll cut to the next person saying a word, and then like a whole weird sentence is said. <laughs> <laughs> now let's segue to a boat. <laughs> Before we do let you go, I,
0: I, the audience would be upset if I didn't get a, at least an estimation of how many tapes you got mm-hmm. in that
2: collection. Oh, in my whole collection? Now, do you want like the whole collection, or do you want what I call the good wall?
0: <laughs> I want whatever Uh-oh. number is just going to make oh, people explode. They're going to be like, whoa,
2: that's... No, they're pretty aware. I've shown photos of, I've shown photos of when they really start to pile up. Cause what I'll do is I'll buy huge lots, and then if I find like a good tape, it's worth it to me. And then I just have this, like, I just stack them up against the wall in the basement. Um, tapes that I watch, use, and that are worth a damn. Um, I don't know. At least a 1,000, maybe 1,200. Nice. Holy shit. That's a lot of tapes. I can send you some photos that would alarm you. Do it. I want um, to be alarmed. Because they're just, It's you have to understand, these things are garbage. Like, no one cares. When I buy a box of 20 tapes because there's, there's an IFD movie in there, or there's a Sam O'Hung movie or a Sonny Chiba movie in there for some reason, I end up with, here, like, here, I'll read off the, what do I got in the wall now? We've got Camp Nowhere, The First Wives Club, Uh, Coneheads, The Virgin Suicides, Purple Rain, Cabin Fever, uh, Dust Till Dawn, Ed Wood, Shaft in Africa, Beavis and Butthead Do America, three copies of Dr. Giggles, Um, (laughs) The Starfighter. It's just like, it's just all the, and you can't sell this stuff. No one will buy this. Hmm. It's just not interesting. I could sell an IFD movie for probably 30 or 40 bucks. Oh. So I know that cuz I'm the sucker who's buying them too.
1: Yeah, it's the same way as <laughs> as buying yeah, as as buying like sports titles. Yeah. No, oh, it's like it'd be sports like buying titles a titles for sh- SNES games like you know yep. you you find a Demon's Crest in there or something like that. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll buy
2: that. So what can you do? What, what what you used to do is you could uh if you got that in like a Sega lot, you at least had the case. You'd slip the artwork out of it and you could put a good game in there now. Like, you know, I find uses for these uh, when I do video projects where it's about video distortion. Oh, you better believe I record over the First Wives Club. Like, I'm not (laughs) using, like, a good, like, Polaroid or Panasonic tape for that. I'm going to record over some piece of shit and make it look real terrible. Who is selling a Polaroid? (laughs) or?
1: Oh, no, Polaroid is selling
2: those. Oh, they're a great brand of uh, uh, blank VHS Polaroid.
1: I mean yeah, but like nobody you can't go to Best Buy and like freaking buy that shit.
0: I know a guy it's, that actually no collects sealed blank VHS tapes. Yes. I don't know why he does yes,
2: it. Yes, those are those are very popular actually. Yeah. Ugh. Especially the artwork on them. The artwork is pretty exceptional honestly, like really abstract for what you're getting. You're just going to blank tape. <laughs> I know.
0: I never thought we'd make it to blank tapes on this podcast, but we did it. We went all the way to having no content on the tape. My goodness. Yeah,
2: thanks a lot, man. Yeah, it was nice ch- nice chatting with you all. And again, I appreciate all the, the kind words.
0: All right, everyone, that's been another Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, you can reach out to us with questions or comments at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. We'll respond or read it here eventually. Sorry we're slow. Please head over to polymedianetwork.com if you want to hear more podcasts like Tales of the Lesser Medium. We just had our new uh, Half-Life series come out about a month ago. Uh, PD's Power Hour if you want to learn more about alcohol. Polykill for more gaming talk, indie Quest for indie games, and more.
1: And if you're not interested in sending us an email since it takes us like three months to get to them, that's no big deal. (laughs) Just give us a rating and review on a podcast app of your choice, and that'll help us out. You can find us all on
0: social media. On Twitter, I'm at TravPlaysGames. Alex is, of course, at Snestdrunk, And you can find Mr. VCR at ForgottenVCR. And if you're interested, he will have his own VHS tape you can buy in April, so be sure to follow him on Twitter to learn more. And as always,
1: the music you heard at the beginning and you can hear right now was composed by our friend Coolor. The track you hear is called Electric Starbounce. You can find more of his music on the Buzzsprout podcast page. And a shout-out to Josh Leslie for our thirst quenching logo. Be sure to catch us all on YouTube or Twitch. And thanks for listening. And we hope you have a great rest of your day. Cheers.